freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you, you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Good morning, everybody. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all of the podcast platforms if you're finding us later. Just talked to a guy the other day who likes to likes to listen to the gym, get his anger out. He's like, yeah, good. Make you mad. So you uh, put more ranked. iron. No, he was the guy who said how much he loved ranked, actually. Same guy. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. I uh, saw Ryan Roland Smith last night upstairs in the press box. He yeah. said he's a podcast listener. Yeah, it makes also, sense. Also, he said he's working uh, baseball camp, so he's a sicko now, and he's up in the 6 a.m. hour, so he may be listening now. You What's know up, what? Man? I talked to Ryan the other day about that camp, and it was interesting hearing the difference between the college kids, the high school kids, <laughs> and the kids who were at the camp. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty good conversation. Right. Learned very, uh, very good deep dive into uh, into Ryan's world. What a night last night, though, huh? What a what an unbelievable what night. night for the Mariners. I, I don't... I, Kind of put this into need to know. I don't know if that's their like best win of the year because they've had some comebacks and maybe some that are more important wins against teams that are, you know, sort of right in your face as opposed to a National League team. Right. I mean, teams against wins against the Astros, if they can beat the Rangers a couple times later, will end up being bigger, et cetera. But that was right up there on the fun meter, right? Just in terms of all of the different things you get in that game. And it was, you know, a rookie debut and everything else. And then to finish it off or come pretty close to finishing it off with the way Cal did it. That's a pretty special night at the ballpark. Here is the stretch and the three, two pitch swing and a fly ball deep to right field. Way back going and going and goodbye baseball off the windows of the hit it here cafe. Cal Raleigh, the big dumper, with a two-run blast here in the bottom of the eighth inning. His 19th home run of the year, way out to right. We talked about his penchant for big home runs in big situations, and it gives the Mariners a 3-1 lead here in the bottom of the eighth inning. Holy smokes, what a shot by Cal Raleigh. Justin, you were there last night. I know you were working. What was it like? That, first of all, Cal Raleigh has a a sense for the moment, too. And when he gets deep in a count like that and he starts fouling pitches off and when he gets to like that 7, 8, 9, 10 range, I start thinking, okay, they... It's going to happen again because it's just it's happened now several times, a couple times this year. And a matter of fact, like a week ago, mm-hmm. it was smashed and the place blew up because it had to be a, really a lot of offense that entire game. And it built up to it. It was perfect. And, man, he delivered when he needed. You know, what's funny is, you know, for the first half of this year, Cal was like over. Yeah. In big moments. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's funny how these narratives sort of go from one direction to the other. Right. I mean, Cal has a sense for the moment and he's a guy that comes up big in the clutch. And certainly he did a couple times last year. And now he has a couple times in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, he went through a stretch of, you know, three, three and a half months where he didn't at all. And I don't say that to criticize him at all, but just to point out again how funny these narratives are and how, you know, we we tend to remember selectively what it is players do. Yeah. And, true. you know, he's now had a couple of these absolutely huge moments. 
I, I must have watched that home run last night 30 times. You just don't see 450-foot bombs that don't go to straightaway center. It just doesn't happen very often. I'm not saying never, but not very often. I mean, mm-hmm. usually the amount of energy lost in pulling the ball is enough to take it into the low 400s, 430 maybe at the max, somewhere in that range. And so the the longest home runs are the ones that go to straightaway center, which makes sense because the ball's coming straight in and going straight back out, and that just adds distance to how far the ball can go. That's why it's deepest to center field in all ballparks. But to hit 450 pull shot down the line in right field – that ball almost went into the third deck. Yeah, and, I, I mean, have balls gone into the third deck? I saw a couple of tweets about last night that they're, uh, I think maybe it was Otani that had hit one okay. close. But a pitch or two before that, Cal pulled another one that looked like it was going to leave the stadium right. behind first base. Yeah, but he just got a little too early <laughs> yeah. on it. And, and he talked about that, how he sort of felt it and felt like it was just a little too early. It was, it was kind of similar. It was kind of in that same, like, down and in. Uh, spot, same pitch. It was, it was a slider, and um, you know, I just didn't try to do too much with it and try to keep it fair. Early in the at bat, I, I fouled it off, and um, I got a little too big on it, a little too jumpy, and try to make that adjustment at AB. He's got a little too big on it. Too big on it. He needed to calm down so he could only hit it 450. And apparently, he was trying to hit the other one 480 to right field as well. So, look. <laughs> the, Did you the, see him with Jen Mueller in the post game? Because she asked him like how far he thought it went, and yeah. he was like. It went pretty far. <laughs> he didn't hesitate. Like, well, I think, uh, hit that pretty hard. I think he knew. I mean, he knew as soon as he hit it and turns to the dugout and throws his bat at the dugout. I mean, just just a really, really cool moment and and another win for this team that just keeps stringing them together, right? I mean, that's now seven in a row. It's nine of ten. It's 14 of 16, I think it is. And they're the hottest team in baseball. They're the best team in baseball since July 1st. Say that again. I mean, now you're talking about, what, a month and another 10 days? 24 and 10, I think. They're the best team in baseball in that stretch. Now, again, that doesn't make them the best team in baseball, period. But it shows that they have that in them. And now for the course of six weeks, that's who they've been. Now, unfortunately, the three months leading up to it, they were one of the teams in the middle of baseball. And it is important to remember that in the middle. Not at the bottom, like it felt, but in the middle, like it actually was. And because they were able to hang out in the middle, there's still one game in the loss column behind Toronto today. And with Texas losing yesterday, let's not lose sight of the division. Five and a half games with a bunch left to play against the Rangers? Five and a half games is absolutely within reel them in zone. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it is absolutely possible that five and a half games happen here with less than two months to play. So I just, I am, I am so happy for so many people in that organization today and have so many people on that team today who endured quite a bit over the course of the first half of this season where they you know, made their own bed. They didn't play well. They don't entirely know why. And then finally it started to click. For a few of them. Last night was not the stars. Right? We've had games recently where it's been Julio and Suarez specifically who have really carried them or some of their, you know, top pitching top top pitchers, etc. Last night wasn't that. You get a rookie making his first start. Nice job. We'll talk more about Emerson Hancock today. 
you get, you know, Cal Raleigh, who's who's sort of in that core nucleus category, but he's not Julio and he's not Suarez. He's not a veteran who's been around for a long time. But the other guys who contributed last night were Cade Marlowe and um, Caballero with a big stolen base. Right. It was a France again. Ty France had it. Yeah. Big hit. Dylan Moore had a big hit. It was not the JP Crawford and Julio Rodriguez and Gino Suarez combo that has really carried this offense over the course of the last five weeks. So it's great to see. You got to have games like that. I don't expect Dylan Moore to be the best player on this team, but yeah, you've got to have games where he comes up in a big moment. And he's now had a few of those in a short amount of time. And he's a guy that was missing for the first half of this year. Great. Nice to see him back. That's how they built this team, mm-hmm. right? It was supposed to have Dylan Moore playing a wide variety of roles. That's why they paid him in the offseason. So it, 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 this is this is what <laughs> kind of what we've been waiting for. Well, isn't it what we we were talking earlier this season when that magic seemed to be missing about how last year you, you'd be in these close games and at the end you'd think any one of these guys, even Haggerty or Moore, could come up here mm-hmm. and do something, and you had none of that for most of the season. You thought they're going to let us down, for, unfortunately. And it, now it seems like we have that back. Like, even Cade Marlowe could get the hit that you need. He sure did last game. night. Yeah, there's and just a mojo someone thing. someone that you would have expected to say that about. There's just a mojo thing, right, where all of a sudden that mojo just flips. Totally agree, Maura. And it's just, it, it just, right now, they've got the mojo, which is pretty darn cool. All right, we'll come right back. We'll give you everything you need to know. Jeff Passan recognizes the mojo when he sees it. You'll hear from him as well. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, maybe it wasn't the biggest win of the year so far, but I think it might have been as fun as any we've seen. It had a whole lot of everything. Rookie Emerson Hancock made his debut. Jose Caballero swiped his 20th bag in a key moment late. Cal Raleigh, while he was just doing what it is, he does best. Here's the stretch. And the 3-2 pitch swing and a fly ball deep to right field. Way back, going and going. And goodbye baseball off the windows of the Hit It Here Cafe. Cal Raleigh, the big dumper, with a two-run blast here in the bottom of the eighth inning. His 19th home run of the year, way out to right. We talked about his penchant for big home runs in big situations, and it gives the Mariners a 3-1 to lead here in the bottom of the eighth inning. Holy smokes, what a shot by Cal Raleigh. It sure was. That ball was torched. 450 feet to right field just doesn't happen every day. Mariners tack on a few more late and end up 6-1 winners. They sweep another series this time. A quick two-gamer with the Padres. They're off today. As for Emerson Hancock, I thought he was really good. The game seemed to speed up on him a little bit, especially early and with runners on base, but worked out of a few jams, only allowed two hits, only allowed one run, and his five innings of work gave his team a chance to win that game. The first inning was kind of tough to settle in, for sure. Um, Just trying to slow things down, trying to find a rhythm, trying to get things going, and then Cal did such a good job of just sticking to what we talked about and slowing me down and just making pitches when we had to. Once I get to Probably about the third inning, that's when it just felt like pitching again. Things slowed down. You're just doing what you always do and go from there. That's sort of what it looked like. The game seemed a little fast for him early, and then as he got more comfortable and credit to the people around him, it seemed to just kind of 
turn into a normal outing at that point. So seven straight wins for the Mariners, nine of ten. Last night, Texas, Tampa, New York all lose. Houston, Toronto, Boston, Anaheim all win. So Mariners, two back still in the wild card. They're now five and a half back in the division, which you can absolutely make up with the amount of time they have left. One thing to watch, though, not great news. J.P. Crawford removed late in the game after a collision with Eugenio Suarez. He had stayed in the game for a few innings after that. He's going to be checked out today for a concussion. We will pass on results as they come. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, last time we saw the Seahawks, they were in the playoffs, right? But not quite able to get over the hump against what was a really excellent 49ers team tonight. They'll take the field again, having now added their biggest free agent to the Pete Carroll era. Another draft class that has the potential to set this team up for years to come. Pete, on what he's hoping to see. So you get these guys out to really, really get the, the full speed stuff. This is, we, we we want these preseason games to give us the chance to make sure that we're at that uh, that mentality and technical side of, of what we need to do. We'll find out how you know what we need to work on and all. But we got three full weeks to do this, and uh, you know almost 200 plays to get it done. So that's what the preseason games are really important to us. Yeah, he's looking forward to that, of course. How much will we see the starters? I can't imagine a ton for guys like Gino and DK and Tyler and Bobby, etc. But so many others that I'm excited to see. Derek Hall, Boye Mafe, top of my list. I want to see what those two look like in-game action. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he's out there quite a bit. And then the big fellows on the offensive line, Young, Morris on the defensive line. A lot of guys that I think will be very uh, intrigued tonight. Now, one person I don't think we'll be seeing is rookie fifth or number five pick, Devin Witherspoon. Um, he had a little hammy uh, thing again. That same leg, different spot, not the same, not the same area. Um, uh, it doesn't seem serious, but. He's moving around and all that, but we have to just, you know, we got to be careful here. Same leg, different spot, but both hamstring. Kind of confusing. I don't know exactly what all of that means. Not a doctor. Don't realize how many spots there are on a hamstring, but apparently it's a new spot on the same hamstring. I just kind of thought you said hamstring. I didn't know there was different spots. Yeah, left and right. I mean, I know that part. Upper (laughs) hamstring, lower hamstring. I don't know. Kickoff 7 o'clock, pregame at 4, right here on Seattle Sports on 710. Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, The murky future for the remaining Pac-12 schools continues to take various twists and turns. Yesterday, the Mountain West said they're not going to be taking any action at all until after the ACC is done, whatever it might do. And then, you know, you hear these rumors of the ACC adding Cal and Stanford. That, of course, hit major roadblocks, which I don't think should surprise anybody. In the meantime, Wazoo Athletic Director Pat Chun was on yesterday with Bump and Stacy and... Yeah, he explains what's going on and what they may end up going to do in the future. I'm not going to speculate on where we end up. Like I said, all options are on the table right now. Whenever we get to that point, we'll get to that point. Um, You know, whether we're in the Pac-12, Southeastern Conference, Big Ten, or you name the league, uh, the transfer portal is a challenge. Uh, So that challenge has not gone away uh, for any school, and that has not changed at all for college athletics and college uh, college college football specifically. So uh, wherever we, we, you know, where we end up, we'll start making decisions and I'll have more concrete answers at that point. But everything is speculatory at this point and there, there's no point in me living in the speculatory world. He also went on to say that he didn't know about the Apple Cup or what's going to happen. It doesn't sound like he's too thrilled with the University of Washington. The decision by one school within our state negatively impacts the, the, a school in the other part of the state. And that's just the reality of, of, uh, of what happened last Friday. And, you know, my job isn't to sit here and dwell on 
um, you know, what just happened. My job is to ensure that we have the best path going forward and help me to continue to, uh, to try to, you know, do everything I can to get us there. Got to be an incredibly frustrating spot. That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past to every hour here in the Brock and Salk show. I mentioned we'll talk to Jeff Passan in a few minutes. Jerry DePoto, we actually get to talk to after a win today. That's kind of shocking. So that's kind of fun. And we'll do that coming up at 830. And then Mike Bennett going to join us at 930. Mike B, uh, who we haven't had on this show in basically forever. And one of my favorite guests always. So looking forward to talking to him. He's a uh, a big Hawaii guy. So I do want to talk to him about what's been going on in Maui. Just devastating. I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time last night watching it and, and trying to figure it all out and looking at some of the maps. Um, I've spent a lot of time on that island. It's probably my favorite place that I've ever been. I just absolutely love it there. Lahaina, where where which has basically been destroyed. I mean, it's just a really cute little town, and all these shops and restaurants. Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac owns a, a bar restaurant there called Fleetwoods, yeah. and uh, he tweeted this morning that it's basically gone. Um, obviously, he uh, will be able to withstand that given the money he's made in his life, but he's pledging to help people all around the island and people who've been displaced, etc. I've got a couple of friends, my neighbor, a good buddy of mine. Uh, he and his family are there right now and had to move, it sounds like, from Kanapali to another part of the island. Sounds incredibly scary. And the pictures he sent back, the smoke and everything were just awful. So, um I, uh, I, I'm working on a few different things. I would like to try to help and I would like to try to raise some money for uh, the people that live there and for that community. And so uh, details to come. I don't know exactly what direction this will go, but I have a little auction thought that I'm going to try to put together. I don't think I'll have it put together until at least tomorrow, but stay with me. And if this is uh, something that's interesting to you or, or you have some money that you can donate, uh, I did tweet a link to uh, what the, I think the senator from Hawaii had sent out of like, this is the best place to send money right now. Don't go there. I mean, they're asking tourists to stay away. Flights can't, can't land and, and cell phone towers are down, et cetera. Um, but they are absolutely going to need a lot of help cleaning this up. So uh, it's in my uh, Twitter account or at the Mike Salk. I'm sorry, my ex account at the Mike Salk. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it maybe later today and uh, into tomorrow as well. So stick around on that. Jeff Passan will be next. It's Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, generally we talk to Jeff Pass on Tuesdays, but uh, we moved him to today to accommodate Jeff. Good morning, sir. How are you feeling? I'm doing okay, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing really, really well. Uh, we missed you yesterday, but still fun to talk to you. As the Mariners are all of the sudden the hottest team in baseball, and you know we, we've spoken a few times during this stretch, but at first it didn't really seem to register that they were playing as well as they are, and now all of a sudden you look up and it's six straight, and what is it, eight of nine and, and 13 of 15, like all of a sudden you can't deny it. This is a team that is red hot. Not just red hot. The Mariners are playing like we thought they were going to for the entirety of the season, right? Like, this is the team that I think on opening day all of us envisioned was going to show up. And it was absent for the first, what, three and a half months of the season? I mean, really like the entirety of the first half. The Mariners were just playing mediocre, uninspired baseball. And that they have come out of the trade deadline when they sold 
and turned into one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, I, you know, I did power rankings last night and I think I had them eighth, um, maybe ninth. I think they're ninth overall for, from all the voters in, in our power rankings that are going to be coming out tomorrow. Uh, now they may be coming out today, but either way, the, uh, the, the Mariners are playing baseball that demands to be seen right now. And it's really nice to watch because I think all of us believed that it was still somewhere in this team. Uh, they just couldn't find it. Now that they found it, uh, it's a pretty cool thing to see. Jeffrey is a friend uh, who shares back pain every once in a while. I'm going to let you take this whatever way you want to. You can do it philosophically. You can take it psychologically. You can take it statistically, whatever you want to do. If you were to answer why, why since July 1, this team has been the team, and, and maybe even more. I mean, they have just been phenomenal, certainly pitching. But take it whatever way you want. Salt and I tried to answer it the other day. Salt gave a great answer you probably won't beat. But I'm curious from your perspective since July 1. Why has this team turned it on? I would I would love to know before I answer what Mike's such a great answer. Yeah, well, okay. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was too. It, it's just baseball. <laughs> I just said it's, it was just baseball. It's just like, baseball. It was tremendous. I'm done I mean, it trying was, to figure this stuff out, man. Like pass it. I don't know if you can beat it. He said, "Listen to this seriously." I mean, write this down. It's just baseball. It's just baseball. I mean, he's not wrong, but. I think there is a confluence of factors and primary among them is that they have had the best pitching in baseball since June 1st, or excuse me, since July 1st. Um, They have the best ERA at 3.32. They are striking out more hitters than every team, I believe outside of Milwaukee and Minnesota. Um, They're not walking anybody. Uh, and they've had some luck on their side too. You know, the, the batting average on balls in play, which for the league, uh, this year is, I believe, around 296. Mariners have a 270. So clearly they're turning batted balls into outs. And I would love to sit here and say, yeah, the offense has turned. No, the, the offense is the offense. And, and if the Mariners don't make the postseason this year, uh, fans are going to rightly lament the lack of bats and uh, you know we can keep going back to my ill-advised comment uh leading into the season here where i was wrong about them not having enough i still don't think they have enough offense uh but that's how good their pitching is the fact that they're calling up emerson hancock and that over the last what is it two i guess with gilbert you can go back a little further But really, over the last two years, they have brought up Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and now Emerson Hancock. They have essentially developed a full rotation internally. That is a ridiculous thing to do over the course of two years. And it's like they're not missing either. That's the wild part. So I want to go back to... Uh, when the Kansas City Royals were just starting to turn things around, because I think this is very illustrative. They had four left-handed pitchers who were among the top 100 prospects in baseball. And at the time, I remember talking with the executives, and my general consensus when you have four starting pitchers who are good in the minor leagues is if you end up with one good starter and one good reliever out of those four, 
you're doing pretty well. The fact that the Mariners have had not just the four in Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, and Wu turn into what looks like really good big league starters, um, but now they have another in Hancock coming on top of that. It's a ridiculous success rate, the sort of thing you typically see only with the Cleveland Guardians, who have three rookies on their staff this year, all of whom seem to be one-upping each other every night. Uh, but that, that to me, is why there's a lot of hope for this Mariners team going forward, because when you have a stable rotation in place, you have taken care of arguably the most difficult thing to do in baseball, which is get a starting staff that's going to make your bullpen better because it can go deep into games. And that's what the Mariners have right now. They, they have cheat coded pitching and, it's a beautiful thing to see play out in real time. It's a it's a great uh, tour through what the Mariners have done the last few years there, Jeff. And you can even add to it Brandon Williamson, who they traded, and, yeah. and throw in Tom Matt Phillips. throw in Matt Brash, who became the reliever that you were talking about. I mean, it's it really is pretty phenomenal when you think about all of that pitching on one team. So with that in mind, and sort of seeing where they're at handicap this AL playoff race. Mariners are two games back at Toronto today, one game in the wild card. What do the next two months look like? I mean, the Jays are a good team, man. Like, the Jays are a very good team. Their pitching's good. They've got a better lineup um, than than the Mariners do. Like, they're going to be tough to catch. Um, the Astros, I don't think the, the Mariners, even though they're three and a half back of them, are going to catch them or the Rangers. Um, to me, the really interesting team to keep an eye on yep, is the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. Uh, I don't think the Rays are going to lose a playoff spot, right? They are currently seven games up on the Mariners. But Shane McClanahan's not pitching for the rest of this year. Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen already were out. Tyler Glass now has a back thing right now, and who knows how long that's going to keep him out. Um, Josh Fleming is on the injured list and throwing down in the minor leagues, but he's Josh Fleming. I mean, right now, if you look at the, the Rays rotation, uh, it's an unmitigated disaster. And frankly, they haven't been playing great baseball otherwise. The offense has certainly taken a step back from what we've seen over the first couple of months. Now, I will say this. Their bullpen's really, really good, and it's really deep, and they're going to be getting Andrew Kittredge back as well. So uh, if anyone can paper it over, it's the Rays. They're, they're used to doing this by now. They've been without a really good rotation for years and still somehow have won. But I think the Rays are vulnerable at this point, and uh, it wouldn't altogether shock me to see them fall even closer back to the pack. And granted, we're talking, guys, right now about a Mariners team that's at its apex this year. We can't expect this Mm -hmm. type of play for the remainder of the season. But at very least, they've given themselves a shot. And that's all you really wanted to see from this team after the the way the first three months went, right? You just wanted to see – you wanted to see it play like you knew it could play. And that's exactly what it's done. 
I'll tell you this, Jeffrey. I mean, we're so close to it. Uh, they've got San Diego today, an off day, and then the Orioles. And then I don't know if you've looked at their schedule in August. The Mariners, like it's uh, yep. the Royals, it's the A's, it's the White Sox, it's yep. the Royals. I yep. mean, it is some fertile ground against teams that have they've given it up. So that that's the a Royals big have been like one of the best teams in baseball over the last week or two. It's crazy. Let's talk. That's just baseball. Sorry, it's yes, just baseball. you're right. Uh, yeah, 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 Mike. If we want to talk about that, that's just, just baseball. baseball. Yeah. that's just baseball. It's right just baseball. There. Jeffrey, when did you join us as the wet blanket? Do you, do you remember how many how many years ago was that that the wet blanket came aboard? Has it been five, six years, uh, something like that? I don't know if it's it has, I, at least four years. Okay, right? it feels like forever. I'm gonna say, and I don't know if Salk will, <laughs> I don't know if Salk will agree with me on this, <laughs> but I'm gonna say save for Pete Carroll. It's really fun, and all the other shots, you know, that he's taken at Salk and I. I don't know if we played more clips of of a guest than you on our show. We play you a lot, and wow. we played you earlier this week talking about Julio. This team goes as Julio goes. We talked about you earlier with uh, Julio is fill in the blank, and you said a showman. And last night, did you see his home run saving catch? Did you see the it theatrics? Was, it was it was so good. <laughs> it was so good because he. Here's the thing: all of us have been in a position where we know we're going to reveal something to someone that is going to surprise them, right? And it's it's waiting for the right moment to reveal it that makes the difference between something that's kind of cool and something that's very memorable. And I applaud Julio for waiting as long as he did (laughs) because everyone was fooled, including the announcers, including his teammates. He could have sold it a little bit better with his face. Like he had this little tiny smile that you could tell he was trying to suppress. <laughs> but finally, when he opened up his glove, like the moment of joy and shock and surprise, and then looking back at the slow motion replay and seeing just how damn good a catch that was. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was fun to see. And it is quintessential Julio Rodriguez. Well, and then just seeing the reaction from Tatis was awesome. I mean, like yep. game yep. recognized game, right? Like, all right, <laughs> you, you got me. That's pretty awesome. I, I was a, it was just one of those cool moments that you see last night. Hey, I, let me, let me just sort of ask you about a guy that we keep forgetting to talk about enough and, and it's on us, but JP Crawford, has endured any amount of being overlooked in his career and the number of people who wanted someone else to be in that spot. And you look at him now, he's been their most, he's been really their only consistent hitter all year long. Yeah. Who, how, how important is JP Crawford to what the Mariners have accomplished in the last few weeks? I'll tell you what JP Crawford is right now. JP Crawford right now is who he was supposed to be when he was coming to the big league. Yeah. He's a guy who, uh, plays you a solid enough shortstop. You know, I, I, I don't think he's been quite the gold glove uh, type guy he was back in like 21, but um, the offensive side, it's just, it's beyond base. It's, it's the fact that you have a guy who's walking, you know, in almost 15% of his plate appearances and who's got a career high in home runs already. And who, you just know he's going to be there and be a pest, right? Like he's, he's a good base runner. Um, but when, when he was in the minor leagues, uh, you know, he was in double a 
at 20, 21 years old, getting on base 40% of the time. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy's going to be a leadoff hitter uh, atop a, a you know big league lineup for the next decade. That's exactly what he looked like. And yet you look at him for what's he been with the Mariners now? Five years? Um, the, the first four seasons, when it came to getting on base, he just looked like he had settled into that you know, 33, 34% of the time, somewhere in there, and that's who he is now. Um, Did you know that he, he went to driveline a, in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, Paston knows everything. No, I actually... What do you mean, yeah? You thing. can't say yeah like I'm an idiot and then say no, you didn't know. You wrote a book no, that introduced was, the world uh, to driveline. I wasn't sure if maybe you knew that he had gone there. Oh, boy. Here's what I was saying. If you would allow me, if you would not try and take my words and twist them as you did on Twitter earlier this week, rewrite, man. Mr. Freaking Rewrite over here. Oh, so clever and make things all about Seattle because the rest of the world doesn't exist. I was saying, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that something like that happened. I did not know. So maybe I should have, Michael, yes. said, no, I didn't realize that. Well, but I was only asking you about I'm it. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for my misleading response there. Is yeah. there anything else that you would like to add? before? Well, I, I thought you would find it interesting, having written a book that introduced me and many others, probably millions of others, to Driveline and how awesome it is billions. on the pitching side. I thought you might be interested <laughs> in what they were able to do with a hitter like, like J.P. Crawford and what the future may be for an organization like Driveline. But hey, if that's not interesting to you, if you want to just immediately say no, I totally understand that too. Maybe you've lost your curiosity. In fact, Mike, that is very interesting to me. So please, can you inform me what he did at Driveline? I actually don't know, but you're the you're the big reporter. I figured you'd want to go down and, you know, write another oh, book about J.P. Crawford. I see. So you had one little thing with no context, and now you want me to do the work. Yes. I got yes. Mm-hmm. Pass him. What did he? Do? You didn't like. You didn't Pass like him, the rewrite. What, what I did he do on Twitter? Pass him. What did he do on Twitter for those that didn't see it? So I, I mean, I feel like people in Seattle are going to actually appreciate what I said. Essentially, I said the Angels are a tire fire disaster right now, who have lost seven in a row since they decided to go all in True. in a misguided effort to try and keep Shohei Otani around long term. And Mike's like. Rewrite the Seattle Mariners have won however many in a row, and they're this, and they're that. Like, two things can exist at once, my man. Can they not? Absolutely. That was the whole point of my rewrite, showing you that, you know, there's two ways to write that story. Maybe it's that Anaheim is a tire fire. Uh Maybe it's that the Mariners made them a tire fire as they seem to be as hot as the Angels are cold. I'm just reminding you that, you know, these things happen. And Mr. Angelos reached out to Salk and said, would you mind rewriting this? That's (laughs) kind of what happened. (laughs) Thank you, Jeffrey. You're the best, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Glad you're feeling better. We'll talk to you next week. See you, boys.
All right, there goes Jeff Passan, uh, who was uh, a little salty, I guess, about my rewrite. Hey, look, again, I'm just the positive guy. And if Jeff wants to go negative and look at what the Angels have done as they've completely collapsed since deciding to go all in, I think it's also fair to look at the hottest team in baseball and maybe point that out now and again. Do you need me to pull the sound of the things you said about the Angels in the past? Oh, no, the Angels are awful. I I have no issues with taking shots about the Angels. They're a disaster. (laughs) They are a tire fire, and they deserve everything that's come their way. I have no problems with Jeff <laughs> taking shots at the Angels. I'm all for it. Of course, since he's done it, the Angels, I think, have uh, won two straight because Jeff is like the worst curse in the world. <laughs> but uh, no, I just think there's another side to that story. And I thought somebody should just speak up for the Mariners who tend to get <laughs> left out of these conversations. And they are playing some really good ball right now. I think so- he, he thought it was condescending. Well, yeah. I mean, like, if you can't <laughs> condescend to Jeff, who can you condescend to? If anybody is condescending, it's him. So he should absolutely <laughs> recognize it when he sees it. For sure. Yes, absolutely condescending, 100%. And then I took some shots at John Heyman just for I, fun. I noticed it didn't stop there. I said, well, I started I mean, having fun with it. I was thinking about doing, like, a Brock Heward or a Joe Fan version that talked about, like, you know, Tay Oscar strikeouts and something like that. But I decided to let it go. Just <laughs> move right on from that. Um, I was thinking last night. So, uh, so Emerson Hancock comes up, makes his first start last night. And what well, did you see the the stat that uh, that the Mariners put out there? It was like he's he's the first Mar- he's the sixth Mariner ever to do what he did last night in terms of uh, in terms of the, his success. And it's like he's the first since Bryce Miller Bryce in Miller, May. Yeah. Just like okay, <laughs> sixth in history for the last guy did it a couple that's, weeks ago. That's right, yeah, sixth in history. But like all of these guys have now done it. And if Brian Wu's first start hadn't been such a disaster, he probably did the same thing. In his second, third, fourth, and fifth, just unfortunately got lit up in that first one. So I, I you know that just sort of cracked me up. The, the uh, yeah, the the stat was he was the sixth starting pitcher to go five plus innings and allow two or fewer hits in his MLB debut in Mariner history. The first since Bryce Miller on May second. Awesome. It's like, come on, it's fantastic. So you start thinking a little bit about next year. Have you thought at all about next year? I know it's early. I know we're in the middle of this year. Uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Because of Mora's uh, line in her email last night about how bright the future is. And I was like, I haven't allowed myself to think about more well, than this season. Well, Passon is, got me thinking that way. The future is real wasn't. bright. I mean, the Mariners, I think, have the highest war in baseball for players 26 and under. Oh, wow. Right? Like, when you start actually lo- – Oh, yeah. Like, they've got a lot of – like. I know there's a lot of focus on this year for good reason, and the Mariners amped it up by saying World Series, et cetera. But the actual future for this team, like this, this, there is a very, very bright future, especially obviously on the pitching side. But start thinking about it, right? So next year, you're going to have Robbie Ray back. You're going to have Luis Castillo back. You're going to have Kirby back. You're going to have Gilbert back. You're going to have Wu back. You're going to have Miller back. And it's very possible that Hancock is now a major league pitcher. We'll wait and find out. But for the sake of this quick conversation, let's say he is. That's seven. (laughs) And you can absolutely start the year with six. Like that works. There's ways to do it and rotate guys in, et cetera. Guys get hurt, as we've seen. Like having six. Pretty good idea. And you could make the argument you're going to need seven. I mean, you've needed at least seven to get through this year. Yeah. But but don't you have to have a conversation about what those guys could bring back? 
Well, that's why especially, I said valuable. especially when you know that you've had difficulty bringing in big time bats through free agency, and there are going to be some big time pitchers who would be available in free agency, specifically Blake Snell, who's local. So, what if you were to bring in Blake Snell? Look, just I'm just gonna just for the again sake of conversation. Now you got eight. You could really transform your lineup if you wanted to trade some of the guys that you've got. And that's why the Logan Gilbert conversation persisted. That's why we're not going to be done talking about Brian Wu and Bryce Miller and Emerson Hancock. Because the more these guys show at the major league level, the more valuable they become. And if you need another big-time bat or two or three... You got a really, really interesting way to go try to get it. We've shown that you struggle in developing hitting, but you're so good at developing pitching that, yeah, maybe you parlay that in. And that may be true. There's also an argument to be made that, you know, I just, just to clarify, maybe you've just kind of gotten lucky of this group and you're not that good at developing pitching and the next round of great players that you develop are going to be hitting. Could Baseball's be. funky. And like, I shouldn't say they struggle to develop hitting. They struggle to get free agents. They absolutely <laughs> have struggled to bring in free agents and for good reason. Guys don't want to come here and hit in this ballpark. So what if you tr- what if you sign more pitching and trade for more hitting? It, it, yeah. It's going to be a conversation this offseason. We don't have to have it today because right now it's just kind of fun to enjoy watching all of these guys. But by the end of this year, you may have seven starting pitchers that have all proven themselves to be pretty darn good in the big leagues. Oh, and the oldest one is 31 years old. That, and is that Robbie Ray? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's a really spectacular kind of conversation to have. So um, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what they do. But this could be coming off of a very interesting season and even more interesting off season as the Mariners are going to have some really, really cool options available to them. All right. We'll come back to them at 730 and what they did last night, et cetera. Before we get there, though, it was there will be tonight our first opportunity to see this Seahawks team. And the more we talk to people, the more that I'm kind of becoming swayed. I know Brock said I was getting soft in my old age yesterday. Maybe. But I've heard some pretty compelling arguments that are changing my mind and we'll discuss next.